right, everybody, welcome back to Heavily Scaled. I'm your host, Gabby Bradley, and today I have with me uh, my friend and summit athlete, Leah, who is a clinical dietitian. And so today we're just going to do a little bit of a I don't know. I don't know if I want to call this a deep dive because I don't know how deep we'll get necessarily, but uh, we're going to talk just what she does, uh, what is a clinical dietitian, what does she do, and then how does she help to serve the community, um, how is she going to help to hopefully serve the community at Summit moving forward and in her just day-to-day job, and maybe she can throw out some tips for us, uh, for you people who are, you know, looking for some tips around food. So, Leah, welcome. Thanks for coming on the show. Hello, hello. Um, Yeah, so as Gabby said, my name is Leah. I'm a clinical dietitian here in Indianapolis at one of the hospitals. Um, So one thing I like to do just when I introduce myself and and talk about my role is explain the difference between a clinical dietitian and then just like a health coach. Um, I feel like a lot of people ask that question. Um, Mm -hmm. And so A clinical dietitian, so I had to get a four-year degree um, in nutrition therapy, and so that included classes like biochemistry, physiology, um, organic chemistry, all that fun jazz. Um, And then we do 1,200 hours of clinical work, and we also are required to get a master's degree um, in nutrition therapy. So it's a little bit more than just a health coach. Um, So a lot of the questions you know, may dive a little bit deeper into the science portion of things and stuff. Mm-hmm. But, but that's always fun, especially for the athletes that are listening. I feel like a lot of a lot of people that are very health conscious and, and very active, they like to do a little more sciencey stuff. So yeah, no, that's, that's great that you explained that because that actually was going to sort of be a question is like, what is a, a clinical mm-hmm. dietitian? So so thanks for uh outlining that for us. Yeah, just jumping in with that. So before we get into all of it, one of the questions I like to ask uh, people who come on the show is, what is your favorite, because you've been at Summit for how long now? Um, well, so I joined in last January, right before COVID, and then uh-huh. stuck with it through then. So, But we had those couple months where we were at home. So I would yeah. say I've actually been doing the right types of exercises <laughs> for almost, almost a year now. Little, okay. Almost a year and a half, I guess. All right, cool. So I was going to say, um, and so what's your favorite lift or no. exercise or, you know, um, what have you? Okay. So surprisingly it's the one I'm worst at, um, but my favorite <laughs> is overhead squats and okay. it is, I am for sure the worst at um, coordination wise and mobility wise. I really struggle, but it's a challenge. Um, mm-hmm. So I really like it. So yeah. that one's my favorite. All right. And other side of that coin, least favorite? Not a lift, but burpees. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> awful. Burpees are awful. I don't know who created that move, but they just <laughs> they don't like it. You know, which sort of surprises me because like you're an actually, I mean, you're a good runner, like endurance athlete. I feel like maybe, I don't know, maybe I haven't seen you enough. I don't get to coach you super often uh, these days, but maybe, maybe uh, I'm wrong there, but I don't know. I I can understand though that a lot of people have a little love hate relationship with the, um, Mm -hmm. with the burpees. 
Endurance is definitely my jam, but not burpees. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, I guess, just um, how, so what is your, what's your day-to-day look like as a clinical dietitian? What's a, what's a typical day for you at work? Yeah, so um, that's going to be kind of a complicated answer only because I have two roles. Um, So three days a week, I work inpatient. um, Mm -hmm. And so when I do this, I cover the ICU, the trauma and oncology. um, And so these are people that are, they're in the hospital, so they're in an acute state. So a lot Mm -hmm. of them are on feedings or um, getting their nutrition through what we, IV lines and things like that. Um, and so we write nutrition prescriptions and we're doing a lot of overall assessments and adjustments for the people that, um, you know, hour to hour need changes. Um, yeah. And just trying to make sure that they, they stay hydrated and that they have enough vitamins and minerals um, and really break down the macronutrients in those cases Um, So three days a week, I do that. And then two days a week, I work as an outpatient dietitian. um, And I'm currently working on specializing in oncology. Um, And so what I do basically is I meet with patients for for about an hour, sometimes an hour and a half. And we just do um, some general health coaching during their cancer treatments. Um, And the reason I like cancer is because it's a lot like sports, uh, Mm. because cancer patients, they're in such a catabolic state that their body is breaking everything down. They're burning through their calories, really similar to an athlete. Um, Mm -hmm. So you have to get creative with, you know, making sure that they're getting enough food, eating the right kinds of protein, um, making sure that, you know, we're going on treatment days where they might have a little bit more stress on their bodies to the week after um, when they don't have quite so much stress working on some long-term goals and then kind of recovery. So. Got you. So you're working with some like pretty, um, you know, at risk populations Mm -hmm. of people. So how, um, and you said there are similarities, especially with in the oncology department with with athletes. So, like, what are some of the biggest minus? Just what you said, they're burning through. Like, how have you taken that experience and now molded it? Because um, I think you also said that you specialize in sports too, correct? Yeah. So how have you? Yeah. So how have you been able to take uh, your your job right now in the hospital and sort of carry that experience over to sports? Yeah. So, um, number one, just thinking about calories in general and maintaining Mm -hmm. or putting on weight. Um, and I know that's a little different than what we think of when we think of a dietitian, we think, Oh, somebody just going to tell us how to lose weight. Mm -hmm. Um, my focus is actually the opposite. So a Mm -hmm. lot of the times, both cancer patients and athletes, they can't put on weight. Um, they can't put on too much muscle because they're burning through it and they're using it so fast. And even Mm. if they're up to 3,000 calories a day, they're still losing weight. Um, And so it's how can we work their metabolism so that way we're not overfeeding because you Mm -hmm. can't have people eat 3,500 calories a day and, you know, their bodies are going to be overfed. Um, Yeah. How can we tweak their metabolism, work on the timings of meals and the types of 
uh, nutrients to make sure that we do maintain the weight and we do put on some weight if we need to um, without having to eat a thousand extra calories a day. Um, yeah. So a lot of it is that and then making sure we hold the lean muscle. Um, a lot of athletes, they want to build muscle mm-hmm. and it's the same thing with cancer patients. Um, the more muscle they have, the better results they have getting through chemotherapy and radiation. So gotcha. a lot of it is is similar in that sense. Gotcha. And I like what you said, how you said at the beginning that a lot of your focus is actually on um, you know, helping people gain weight, you know, the word diet and like dietitian I don't, has such a bad rep, but like, if you actually look up, you know, the actual definition of what a diet is, it's literally just like what you eat, period. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Whether it's, um, a special something, but you know, like keto, uh, or, or, or something else. So, um, Sorry, that was Addison. She popped in here. Um, so, so tell me, since we're talking about sort of sports and we're talking about, you know, people needing to recover. So, so let's say people are trying to put on that muscle. What are some of the most, because especially in the CrossFit world, right, that is a thing. You know, people want to oh, yeah. look lean, like you said. People want the six-pack abs sometimes. Yeah. That's the goal of theirs. So what are some of the most common misconceptions or questions that you've gotten from people um, that you sort of had to like say, skirt, that's wrong, other than maybe the, the like weight portion of things? Yeah, so um, in terms of being specific to sports, um, especially in I forgot to mention this at the beginning, but I do, I have a side business where I do coaching for athletes um, Mm -hmm. and anybody else who has specific health conditions that are applicable. Um, So, you know, polycystic ovarian syndrome and and IBS and various things. Um, But so when I work with these clients, one of the first things I do, or one of the very first things I do is talk to them not actually about nutrition at all, but the first thing we do is talk about what what does health look like to them and what do they want to look like? Um, mm-hmm. And so especially in the CrossFit world, just like you said, there's this concept that you need to have 0% body fat and you need to have six pack and your muscles are huge. Um, mm-hmm. And that's just not sustainable and it's not healthy for the majority of the population. Um, and especially... And, and I'll speak for Summit, a lot of the athletes at Summit are there for health purposes, not mm-hmm. necessarily for competition purposes. Mm. Uh, and so for people that are there for general health purposes, uh, one of the first misconceptions and questions that I get is, you know, do I have to restrict my calories? Do I have to load up on protein? Um, you know, do I need to, on certain days, not drink very many, very much water so I'm not bloated? Um, and all of these things are just, I want to say basically lies that the internet tells us. Um, yeah. And it's, you know, for general health purposes, it's healthy for us to have body fat on us. And especially mm-hmm. as females, especially in our reproductive years, um, yeah. you know, one of the con- misconceptions is you have to be super skinny and, um, I don't love to use the word skinny, but, but super thin and, and not have any sort of belly whatsoever. And that's just mm-hmm. not true. And that's not how our bodies are made. Um, yeah. and so that's what I first like to do with my clients is make sure they understand that. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then again, other misconceptions, water intake, you know, should I, should I not drink water? Or should I only drink Gatorade because it has more electrolytes? And, and that's just incorrect. Um, it, yeah. it does have more electrolytes, but that's not what's best for you. Um, mm-hmm. so, so that's definitely one of them. And then this will kind of lead into fad diets, but and the next question I get is keto, especially yeah. CrossFit athletes. Um, and I, I don't know why the CrossFit population is more susceptible to thinking keto is good. I think there's a lot of information on the internet that people read mm-hmm. when they first start. Um, and so a lot of people think, well, you know, I, I want to slim down and I want to build lean muscle. So I'm going to mm-hmm. eliminate carbohydrates or decrease that intake. Um, and especially yeah. for athletes, carbohydrates are one of the most important things that we need. Um, and yeah. so, so that's the other misconception that I, I like to knock, knock off the bat and just say, no, no. <laughs> so. Yeah. so let's go there then. What are your thoughts on some of the like fad diets? And I mean, I think part of the thing with, um, CrossFit and, and keto, I personally, I love carbs, so that's mm-hmm. not going to be something that I do. But, you know, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people maybe who don't completely understand some of the science, you know, are thinking that they need to go. And there are obviously people who benefit, right, mm-hmm. from a keto diet for sure, 100 percent. But um, and people who also see results. But to uh, I think what my thing with fad diets is when people are always in and out of them. Um, without Mm -hmm. really having a plan. So I think with the keto diet, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, I don't need any excess carbs because, you know, what all they know scientifically about carbs is that if you have too much, you're going to store it as fat, right? Mm -hmm. So what are your thoughts, though, on some of the fad diets? I mean, there's keto, there's intermediate fasting, Mm -hmm. um, just, you know, there's a time and place, but coming from you, what's been your experience with people you've worked with? Yeah. So, um, we'll start with the keto diet. So the keto diet is only proven and there's only evidence to support using the keto diet in children with epilepsy because it helps Mm. to prevent uh, a lot of the seizures. Um, and then that stops at about the age of 16. Um, it is used a lot in our society for weight loss, which mm-hmm. it does work, but it also contributes to disordered eating, which if progresses can lead to eating disorders. Um, and when you take out a macronutrient out of your diet, so anything, this would be carbs, fat, protein, what happens is, in a sense, you starve your body because that's mm-hmm. something you And so that's why you lose weight so fast um, is because, in a sense, you're starving your body of that nutrient. Um, Specifically with carbohydrates, they really contribute to your overall mental health. Um, And so a lot of the times when we take carbohydrates out of our diet, we notice an increase in anxiety, depression, a mental fog. Um, You're unable to complete a lot of the mentally uh, tasks that you have during your work days. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also in terms of exercise, um, carbohydrates and fats are your predominant, your predominant fuel source during exercise. Mm-hmm. So if you take that out and you're only using fat, you're going to burn through it so fast and you're going to get so tired, so fatigued mm-hmm. and just, your muscles are going to cramp up and, and it's just rough. Um, mm-hmm. 
And and like you said, there are certain people who can do the keto diet and it works for them. Um, but I highly recommend for anybody doing that, they work with a dietitian um, mm-hmm. to make sure that their lower baseline is appropriate. Um, because in an actual keto diet, only 5% of your calories are supposed to come from carbohydrates, which is nothing. Wow. Um, and yeah. a lot of people, they especially if you don't get that guidance, they'll do... 20% of their diet comes from carbohydrate. And that gotcha. doesn't technically get you in the ketogenic state that you want to be. Um, it's just mm-hmm. starving and it contributes to your yo-yo dieting, kind of as you yeah. had said. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes it a lot, kind of counteracts your weight loss because then when you do eat carbs, you add on weight a lot faster than you would have if you just ate them from the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. so, so keto can be done right. Um, it's just very restrictive. And, mm-hmm. and definitely not something I recommend for most individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and similar with intermittent fasting, a lot of doctors, older older doctors, uh, will recommend this to patients because of the weight loss that you experience with intermittent fasting. Um, but it's not sustainable. And yeah. again, similar symptoms, you know, mental fog and extra fatigue, muscle cramping, all that kinds of things. Um, and again, contributes to yo-yo dieting where Mm -hmm. you gain a lot of weight and then you lose it and you gain it and you lose it. Um, and that's a lot of stress for your body and Mm -hmm. long-term definitely impact your overall health. Yeah. So, um, something you, you said made me, made me brought up this question. Um, you know, talking about sort of the low energy, uh, Mm -hmm. what, uh, what are some of the signs that someone, other signs that someone needs more food for their training. And so what, how, what would you add? Uh, we don't have to go into the details of nutrient timing, but is that a thing that you also like program for people? Um, and so just talk a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, especially when I start working with clients and, and we follow up every couple of weeks, um, it's, it's a matter of, kind of figuring out what people need. And mm-hmm. I'm not always going to get the, their calorie protein and fat carbohydrate needs correct right off the bat. Um, and so a lot of it is kind of give or take. And it also depends on the types of exercises people are doing. Um, and so a lot of the times when I meet with people, I'll ask them this question is, what symptoms have you had this week? Um, the symptoms that I look for, number one, your basic symptoms. So fatigue, excessive thirst, a headache, um, extreme muscle soreness the day after, um, anything like that, muscle cramping, you know, those are your general things. Mm -hmm. Um, but some other things that I look for are, are you having excessive or injuries, whether that be, um, you know, even if it's part of your grip, are you, Mm -hmm. is your skin breaking a little bit easier, a little bit more than it usually does? Mm -hmm. Um, How's your immune system doing? Are you noticing that you're waking up feeling a little more snotty than you normally do? Um, Any sort of twitching, anything like that. Um, The other thing I usually ask for is in your joints, do you, if you roll your ankle, does it, does it crack or do you hear that little um, pop similar to if Mm -hmm. you go to pop your fingers? Um, Do you have, do you feel like you need to do that more? Um, anything mm-hmm. like that can be signs of nutrient deficiencies, whether that be 
carbohydrates, fats, protein. It can also be um, uh, vitamin and mineral deficiencies. So, Mm -hmm. you know, calcium, vitamin D, uh, which most females are deficient in anyways. And so um, a lot of the times that's something we, we address, but um, so, so symptoms like that. Um, And then if a patient does complain of those symptoms or certain symptoms, that's when we'll address introducing either more vitamins and minerals in or carbohydrates. Um, Usually what I'll do is I get a dietary recall so I can see what the patient's eating uh, because Mm -hmm. a lot of the time based off what they're eating, I can just identify what they're lacking in. Um, But sometimes I can't. And so sometimes it's a matter of, you know, if if their bones are cracking a little bit more at their joints, um, usually that's going to be a sign of inflammation. Hmm. And so then that means that we need to add in some more antioxidants, um, Hmm. various things like that. So um, that's usually what I'll do. Um, A lot of the times we get most of our protein. And if I'm already or if, you know, somebody's already got a general dietary plan, they're usually meeting most of their um, protein and carbohydrate goals. So, mm-hmm. so that's something we'll double check, but usually they're meeting their goals in that sense. Yeah. So you mentioned, um, you know, having deficiencies in, in certain, you know, minerals and, and vitamins. Uh, so just, let's just say for the general population, maybe somebody who's not working with you yet. Um, what are, what do you recommend people should be taking like supplement wise, Mm -hmm. if anything. Yeah. So obviously, you know, I have to say this, the best source of your vitamins and minerals comes from food. Um, you know, the the more colors that you include on your plates, um, the better. So I always try to tell people to eat the rainbow, make sure you've Mm -hmm. got a color every single day. Um, specifically for women, a, a lot of women, especially here in the United States, um, and it specifically in the Midwest, were deficient in vitamin D and calcium. Um, uh-huh. And so sometimes, in as long as there's no other health conditions, you know, I'll add that in there. Um, then I'll recommend. It's actually going to sound weird, but a daily multivitamin of women fifty plus. Um, that's usually okay. the one I recommend for our age, which is twenties to thirty five, forties. Oh, um, so, so I should be taking the 50 plus. All right. Yeah, so I like, I, I like that one and I like to use that one because it's higher in vitamin D, calcium, and also the B vitamins, which helps to mm-hmm. promote your mental health. Um, and a lot of what I do uh, with habit-based coaching refers to, goes back to mental health. Um, and yeah. so I just uh, recommend a multivitamin that promotes that. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. And so also you've mentioned, you've alluded to it a couple of times, but just like the differences between uh, like males and females, or, you know, Mm -hmm. you've alluded to some of the differences that females have. So um, just talk to me a little bit. I guess the question is kind of like twofold, right? So typically, historically, you know, we have seen sort of um, diet when I use that in a negative sense, like it's a female issue, right? Mm -hmm. It's something that females typically uh, struggle with a bit more. So the first part of my question is, what has been your experience? Just, I know you work with 
different populations and, you mm-hmm. know, the high risk populations aren't necessarily uh, skewed maybe by male, female. Um, so what are some of the experiences you've had, but then also um, how can coaches consider the differences when they are also, um, you know, cause a lot of gyms do this, right. They offer nutrition um, for, for their athletes, or they try to offer advice to athletes. What are the things that they need to consider um, when it comes to the differences between how males and females are, you know, just our physiology is so different. So how we consume mm-hmm. things and then express them is going to be different too. So sorry, yeah. that's a long two-parter. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So obviously we know males and females are a lot different in terms of body composition. Males have a lot more muscle than we do or than females do. Um, and, One thing that we need to make sure we consider, and this is as coaches too, one thing you need to make sure you consider is that number one, females in the most, for, for most part, um, they are going to be able to lift, but it's not obviously going to be as much as males. Usually there are some differences, Mm -hmm. some circumstances where that's not correct. Um, and we need to keep in mind then during that point too, is making sure that as females, we are feeding our bodies equivalent to what it needs in sense of, um, as I said earlier, we've got, we, we have a higher body fat composition than males. Um, and we need to embrace that because Mm -hmm. that's a healthy part of the entire reproductive system and how we're built. And so, um, you know, a lot of times what females will think is, oh, I need to eat a low fat diet or, um, you know, I need to to restrict on certain components like that. Um, and I think as coaches and dietitians and just gym as a whole, it's important to support both men and women um, eating enough of every uh, every nutrient and making sure that we're not like, oh yeah, you know, twelve hundred calories is good, or you know, twenty grams of fat a day is going to be good and help you cut weight and to help you lose some of that you know, extra, extra body fat that you're holding on to or something. Mm -hmm. Um, so in that sense, a little bit different in the way we need to look at males and females. Um, now I will say kind of bring it back to where you first were in your question, um, how you mentioned a lot of females tend to be a little more restrictive or a little bit more concerned about, um, you know, their dietary intake and stuff. We actually see it's a lot of males in the CrossFit because of wanting the big muscles and wanting the eight pack. Um, And so a lot of men want to put on just tons of muscle and not Mm -hmm. every male can. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it is applicable to women as well that our hormones, specifically androgens and things, they were born with a certain amount and Mm -hmm. that's what helps us either put on a certain amount of muscle um, or not. And so that's where we see some females can lift like crazy and they put on tons of muscle um, mm-hmm. and they may just have a higher um, androgen level in their bodies, which helps contribute to muscle gain. Um, mm-hmm. And so a lot of that is stuff to look for as well. And then as coaches, just to make sure we're not comparing. Um, I think Summit does a really good job of that. You know, mm-hmm. not every male or female is going to lift the exact same. Um, yeah. Everybody's be better and worse at things and, um, you know, 
they're just not going to do the same amount of weight um, and just supporting that and understanding that, you know, some females, again, they're me, for example, I'm going to be using a training bar every time I go overhead. It's just, <laughs> it's what it is. Yeah. Uh, and that that's okay. And, um, you know, yeah, just, just supporting, working hard, but not necessarily having to, oh, you don't have to bulk up or you don't have to necessarily put all this weight on your bar mm-hmm. uh, in order to, to look like the female next to you or the male next to you. So yeah. hopefully that answers your question a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. I, I think the, the one thing I think you sort of alluded to it in there is, um, you know, that there are sometimes it's just not in our genetic makeup to mm-hmm. maybe put on as much muscle as the person next to us or to even if I do put on muscle, I'm still not going to look like that person yeah. next to me. Like it's going to present itself differently. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think about the time, uh, you know, I took an in-body scan and I had the lowest percent body fat I think I've ever had. I, mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was, but um, I was like down to like 14% or mm-hmm. something body fat. I still didn't have a six pack though. Like you still yeah. couldn't it's see so my abs and that was the lowest, you know, percent body fat that I've, I've ever had. And, um, you know, it, that 14% was probably all still in my trunk area. Let's be real. But, um, <laughs> you know, like I don't think, looking back at pictures from that time, like you still wouldn't, you wouldn't have looked at me and known that that was what I had. So I think that that is, um, what, where you said that that's really important for people to remember, um, is that if you, the intention of your diet is to look a certain way, you also might have to just consider your own genetic makeup and just, it may not be in the cards for you. No matter um, how hard you work, no matter how much you restrict, no matter yeah. what you do, you may not look like the other the person that or that picture that you want to look like. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, the more we have society embrace that, and the more we, especially as CrossFit coaches and gyms, um, are inclusive to that, then that's mm-hmm. really where we're going to start to see a lot of health progress. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, and I think that's the important thing is that you know, what we do in the gym, what we do outside of the gym, it's really all about like longevity in -hmm. terms of your health. So to wrap us up here, this is, this has been fantastic. I honestly think we could probably uh, keep going. I have other questions that have come up, but I'll be respectful of your your time. Um, So since you've started, you know, you've been in, you're done with school, you're, you're in your day job, you've got your side business, um, what are the biggest things that you've taken away and the, the tips just for the general population, you know, b- maybe before they come and work to you, if you could just share your, I don't know, top three or four, what are those things? So, um, the first thing I learned, and I actually learned this in my working, um, career, even though six years of post high school and, um, no matter through school, no matter how much people told me, I just, it didn't register until afterwards when I was working in this. Um, the first thing I learned is that food provides so much more than just nutrients. It Mm -hmm. is a means of social, um, it is 
how, and it, it's okay to use food as a comfort. Um, it's something that our bodies and, and naturally we are attracted to, um, mm-hmm. because it helps us survive. Um, mm-hmm. and so that's the biggest thing I've learned is just food provides so, so much more than just the nutrients. Um, mm-hmm. and that's something I wish the appreciation for food was, um, better spoken about and more understood. Um, because I think a lot of the times people think of food as such a stressor and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be, it's, it's yeah. something that again, it's, it's a reason for people to get together. Um, mm-hmm. it's a holiday tradition. It is comforting. It is, you know, when you think of somebody in your family, for instance, um, my grandma, she, she always makes the best baked beans. And so every time I think about baked beans, I think <laughs> Um, and and so it's, it's little things like that. Um, and and that's one of the biggest things I've learned, um, and something that I always try to try to emphasize to people. Um, I love that. I love that. Yeah. And then the next thing that I learned and, and equally as important is our bodies are so strong and they are so resilient. Um, Mm. you know, I look at these athletes who, put their bodies through so much, um, or cancer patients undergoing chemo and radiation on the same day, every day for a month. Um, and, and to watch their bodies work through that and and to overcome, you know, those, those workouts and, um, those treatments and the processes, um, you know, to see an individual on a ventilator and then to come out of it and then they're walking out of the hospital and say, and see you later. Um, Well, I, I, I've learned that our bodies are so resilient and we need to treat them that way. Um, Mm -hmm. we need to give them the best respect and and the best, um, you know, way to, we need to feed it properly, um, in order to, to treat it the best way that we can. Um, and, and the thing I like to just to kind of bring it back to food a little bit more is our bodies are resilient to chemo, radiation, they're also resilient to a donut or a piece of cake. Um, And and that's something I like to just throw in there too. Um, You know, our our bodies can can handle pretty much whatever we throw at it. So so that's really cool. And and our bodies always know what they need. And so once you can kind of learn to listen, your body will tell you exactly what you need. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that's, those are some of the main things I've learned throughout my working career. Um, and I hope to kind of expand on those in the future, but Mm -hmm. but so far the main takeaways I have. No, that's fantastic. I love that, that food is, is more than just the nutrients. It's Mm -hmm. culture, it's social, it's maybe whatever you almost need it to be in the moment in a, in a healthy Mm -hmm. sort of way. It's, uh, you know, our bodies are resilient to the the stressors, but then also it's resilient to the foods that we try to shame ourselves into not yeah. eating. So, and then we got to listen. I love that. Those four things. That's, yeah. those are some great takeaways. Great yeah. takeaways. Um, well, Leah, thank you so much for uh, coming on. This was fantastic. Yeah. And yeah, as you, as you were, as you were talking, I was, other things were popping up. I mean, I, I think honestly, we could have a whole conversation about those last four points that you, you just okay. made. Um, so maybe, maybe another time, but, um, so tell people where they can find you. Cause I know that, uh, 
you know, obviously you work in hospital, but you also said you, you've got your, your side gig. So if yes. people wanted, if people wanted to work with you, uh, how can they reach you? Yeah. So first of all, um, I have a website. It is blossomingnutrition.com. Right. Um, and just B L O S S O M I N G dot com or nutrition.com if I could get my website right. <laughs> um, and on there, it talks about my coaching style. It talks a little bit about my background. Um, it has some client profiles, um, you know, for people that I've previously worked with. It's got recipes, uh, all that, all that fun jazz. Um, so number one, that. And then on there, you can also find a phone number, an email. Um, and then I am currently working on social media, I am not the best at social media. If, if anybody knows me, they know I just don't really love it. Um, so working on actually finding somebody to run my social media for me. Um, but then that will be up and coming. So Awesome. Well, we will certainly uh, link to your web. I'll certainly link to your website uh, cool. in the show notes so that people can, can find you. Um, this is great. I, I think... Uh, there was a lot of little nuggets in here for everybody, you know, whether mm -hmm. male, female, athletes, coaches, and it's it's fantastic. So thank you for sharing your wisdom and your time with me. And yeah, uh, it's really appreciated. I appreciate you letting me have the platform and, and advertise my, my business. And uh, hopefully this helps somebody feel good about the food they're putting in their bodies. So, oh, yeah. Well, as a pregnant mama, I, uh, yeah. I feel good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> All right, Leah. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap on my conversation with Leah. I really hope you guys enjoyed that. I think she shared some important things and maybe we'll have her back on in the future. Uh, again, if you want to work with Leah, check out the link in the bio and feel free to reach out to her at blossomingnutrition.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.